0: Press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the Journalists of the Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Wednesday, November 9. Australia must be able to engage in long range warfare, fighting enemies with precision guided missiles, long range drones, and bombers. That's the heavy hint coming from Defence Minister Richard Miles. He's told a submarine conference the looming overhaul of defence priorities would focus on so-called impactful projection. That means future wars are likely to be less about defending the mainland and more about long-range precision targeting. Santa's tightening his belt, with four in ten households planning to cut back Christmas spending this festive season. Westpac's latest consumer sentiment survey says although families are more pessimistic than in the depths of the global financial crisis, they haven't quite stopped shopping yet. A fresh PR nightmare looms for King Charles III, with a new generation to learn all about his marital troubles in Season 5 of the lavish global TV sensation The Crown, launching today. Queen Camilla's friend, Judy Dench, is accusing producers of sensationalising the Royal's raw family pain. Later in the episode, we'll explore whether audiences can be trusted to work out the difference between fantasy and reality. And first up today, new figures show Buy Now Pay Later services are leaving young Australians in financial distress. Reforms are on the horizon, but will they fix the problem? By now, pay later services are touted as an easy and financially responsible way for shoppers to manage their expenses. What's after pay?
1: It's like if you could eat the whole tub of ice cream and spread the calories over six weeks.
0: At Zip, we love putting you in control of your money. But new research from Monash University suggests it's actually making money management more difficult, and especially for young Australians. Ellie Dudley is a journalist with theaurs.com.au, and she joins me now. Ellie, are you a BNPL user? I have been in the past, Claire, uh,
2: years years ago, um, but I just got freaked out that it was going to affect my credit score, and then I wouldn't be able to buy a house one day,
0: so (laughs) I stopped. This new research says buy now, pay later services are exacerbating financial hardship among Young Australians. Mm. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, the the new research that we've got says that um, more than half of Australians aged 18 to 24 have used a Buy Now Pay Later service over the past two years. And a third of those who have admitted that it was bad for their financial management and, and bad for their finances generally. Now, what we've got here is an interesting sort of chicken or egg situation. Australians who are experiencing financial hardship are more likely to be using Buy Now Pay Later services. And so is that? did they end up in that position because they were using their buy now, pay later services? Or are they using BNPL because they just can't afford anything? And so that's sort of the the situation that we've got here. What the research is saying is that people who are experiencing financial hardship are more likely to use these services.
0: So at the beginning, it seemed as though it was for gorgeous young things wanting a new pair of cut-off jeans, (laughs) you know, but just didn't have the cash in their bank account today. But BNPL has moved into kind of supermarkets. You can get flights on BNPL now as well. You can get absolutely
2: anything. What's next? Houses. Mm. You're right. It was targeting young shoppers. It was, you know, on the counter of every shopping mall you went to. You saw those little afterpay signs, the little zip signs. I mean, it's incredibly tempting because it was the future of lay-by, but it is just seemingly becoming bigger and bigger and amounting to bigger and bigger purchases.
0: So what's the difference between this kind of financial hardship and the sort of trouble that I certainly got myself into in my 20s with a credit card?
2: You know, with a credit card, at least you've got that barrier of interest Rates, whereas Afterpay or Zip Pay are sold to you as well. There's no interest. It's, it's an interest-free loan, and you can pay it off as you wish. You know, every two weeks you'll get a little nudge via a text to pay off your next payment.
0: So, Ellie, I'm a recovered credit card user. You're a recovered Buy Now, Pay Later user. (laughs) Do you think regulating Buy Now, Pay Later is going to sort of fix the problem or is it just going to send people back to credit cards or move the problem on?
2: Well, I think that the thing about Buy Now, Pay Later is that it is just so tempting. The concept of being able to get your item right now and not have to pay the full price, like who wouldn't want to do that, right, if if you're not thinking about the potential consequences of it? So I do think that there needs to be greater regulation and there is greater regulation regulation coming. So the details are a little bit vague but Afterpay and ZipPay and and all these buy now pay later services are going to be governed by the same regulation that credit cards are governed by as of next year. But what the research is really calling for is greater education around how to use these financial services in a way that is good for them rather than a way that's going to end up in financial hardship for them or financial difficulties. Mm -hmm.
0: Ellie Dudley is a reporter with theoz.com.au. Up next, can audiences work out the difference between fact and fiction? Dame Judi Dench doesn't think so. Kristen Amyett has that story.
3: the royal family is in genuine crisis for years i've called for a more modern monarchy that reflects the world outside
2: i don't think it's my behavior that's threatening its survival you as future king have a duty
0: people will never understand how it's really been for me i never stood a chance
1: The Crown returns to Netflix today with the internationally acclaimed series set to focus on the British Royal's more recent dalliances. Season five has Imelda Staunton stepping into the shoes of Queen Elizabeth II, while Australian Elizabeth Debicki portrays the late Princess Diana. Another new addition is a disclaimer signifying that The Crown's fifth season is inspired by true events. David Marr is the editor of The Australian's Wish magazine, and he joins me now. David, The Crown is five seasons in. Why are they adding a disclaimer now?
3: Well, I think the events that are going to be depicted in this current season are relatively fresh in most viewers' minds. I think some of the earlier seasons, I mean, obviously there are people alive who can remember those periods in the Queen's life, but the bulk of the audience has a very recent memory of Diana and Charles. And even if they weren't born then, they know that story quite well. It's often talked about. Their children are still quite young. And also, don't forget, this was a time that was very heavily reported on by the press.
1: Lady Diana was back at the Pimlico Kindergarten where she teaches this morning. But polite as ever, she was saying nothing about her weekend with Prince Charles at Sandringham. In London, a brilliant day, a brilliant pageant. One million expressions of affection for a prince and his bride.
0: Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded.
1: The
3: world is in shock. Diana, Princess of Wales, is dead and Britain is in mourning. So we feel that we know a lot about it and I think what happens is whenever there's something that's not 100% historically accurate, people pounce on it and therefore sort of cast the whole series in this kind of light that it's not true. But obviously some artistic license has to be taken with these kinds of biopics and series and movies and so on.
1: One such person who's pounced on this particular series is Dame Judi Dench. Dame Judi Dench called out the Netflix series in a letter to the Times of London that the show is in danger of convincing viewers that the dramatization was a wholly true version of history. Dench noted the plot is both cruelly unjust to the individuals and damaging to the institution they represent, and asked Netflix to add more explicit disclaimers to the fictionalized drama. Does she have a point? Do TV and movie producers have a responsibility to tell us when something is a fictional account of real events?
3: She does have a point. I mean, she's also portrayed Queen Victoria twice <laughs> and <laughs> Queen Elizabeth the first once. And in preparation for this, Chat today, I thought, I wonder if those two movies, um, Mrs. Brown and Victoria and Abdul, have some kind of disclaimer. And I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't, (laughs) but they do. So she does have a point, even if you think of the Freddie Mercury movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, it says inspired by true events because you're condensing somebody's life down to two hours or, you know, in this case, you know, five episodes or six episodes or whatever it is. But even in that, you're condensing somebody's entire life down, so you have to edit things out. You also have to make it entertaining for people. It doesn't mean that it's at times not historically accurate, but some liberties are going to be taken.
1: And thinking about the audience for a second, The Crown is one of Netflix's most popular franchises. It's consumed all over the globe. Is there really a risk that people will confuse it for the real thing or do we deserve a little bit more credit than that?
3: It's a little bit condescending to think that if we don't have a disclaimer on it that people will think, oh my God, this actually happened. First of all, really, what is the possible outcome of that if people do think that? But it's kind of... Not really granting the audience with a bit of intelligence. We consume reality TV, we call it reality TV, but we know it's not real. We know it's scripted and we know it's faked and edited and manipulated and so on. I think audiences are sophisticated enough to know that this is entertainment. It's very well produced entertainment, but at the end of the day, it's entertainment. It's not a documentary. And even if it were a documentary, I I think most people realise that there's a bit of subjectivity in a documentary anyway.
1: And Netflix itself has never hidden the fact that it considers this to be a dramatisation of history. We've seen similar controversies unfolding here at home In the past few months, The Stranger, which fictionalises the undercover police operation that caught the killer of Queensland teenager Daniel Morecambe, is one of them. Despite saying that it was fictionalised, creators continued to use Daniel's name to market the film in spite of his family's pleas for them to stop. If the point of art is to provide perspective on the human experience as The Stranger apparently is, as The Crown apparently is, are we getting ourselves into a really tricky situation here with? insisting that these disclaimers are added?
3: I think what's interesting about that one is Daniel Morcombe's family, their complaint is that their story has been used without their permission. And I know Amanda Knox, American student who was accused of murdering her flatmate in Italy, has similarly made accusations about other movies that have said inspired by the Amanda Knox story. I think they have a legitimate concern because, first of all, those people are still alive and they have a right to tell their story when and how they choose. And I think you know, in some respects, stealing that story for the sake of making a movie, I I do think they have an argument. I think the difference with the royal family is it's kind of their job. You know, they have these positions, and they know that's part of the deal. And I think if you're an historical figure, and someone wants to make a movie based about your life, that's kind of okay. They owe it to the viewer to be mostly historically accurate. But I think sort of claiming that you know the, that we should respect their privacy and all that kind of stuff I, I think you give that up when you when you when you become a member of the royal family or you choose not to be like Harry and Meghan but I think one of the reasons that the crown gets itself into a little bit of problems with this is they spend so much time making sure that their actors look like the people they're portraying, that they talk like them. I read an interview with Elizabeth Becky about studying um, Diana's mannerisms in great detail, and they make a lot of attention to the costumes and, and how accurate they are to what Diana wore. And I think that's where people get tricked. We go for this incredible sort of accuracy in how things look, and then we assume that, well, everything else must be accurate as well. <laughs>
0: David Marr is the editor of Wish Magazine. He was speaking with The Front's Kristen Amiet. Thanks for joining us. You can find all Australia's best news, business, sport and politics right now at theAustralian.com.au. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.